Jesus didn't just get up. He came back. Easter didn't end Easter morning. It continued that evening when he came back to walk with us. No matter how far we had wandered away from God, to walk with us home. And so that is what we read beginning the rest of the story. So when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them both his hands and his side. And the disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. There are times in life when we have been so traumatized that we don't know we need each other. There are times in life when we are so confused that we do know we need each other. We just don't know what to say. But all the times in life when you're not as sure about the future as you're sure you were about the past. (laughs) When you're not as sure about the future as you used to be. Those are the times when we do need to be together. And that's what happened to those disciples. That's what happens to all of us every week. That's what happens when you just want to be with people who are going through some of what you're going through. They don't understand exactly what it is for you, but they know somehow God means for us to be together no matter what happens next. I love that about the church. Here they were gathered in this room. They were very afraid. They didn't know what was happening next. They just knew they need to be in a place where they were loved. You know, that's all most of us need is just to know that we're loved. Somebody once said, well, what kind of love? What are you talking about love? You know, when Emma Grace was singing that song, I, I remembered a, a, uh, a survey that they took with little girls. And, and they asked him, what, what is love? And the first little girl, age seven, had an age seven memory that she wanted to share. Love is when you tell a boy you like his shirt and he starts wearing it every day. The next little girl was eight years old and she had a profound experience. She said, you know, when my grandmother got the arthritis in her back, she couldn't bend over anymore to paint her toenails. So my grandfather does it all the time. Even though now He's got arthritis in his hands. He still does it. That's love. 
third little girl, characteristic of an eight-year-old, didn't answer the question, just made a pronouncement. And this was the pronouncement. You know, you really shouldn't say you love somebody unless you're really sure. But if you're really sure, you should say it a lot because people forget. Our leaders have talked about how it's our tendency to forget how much we're loved and how we belong and how we need each other and how we should be together. People begin to feel like, well, it won't matter if I'm not there. They won't miss me. I'm not really needed. I'm not really counted upon. Can I just say to you, we're the same people gathered after crushing blows who do need each other. Just like those in that room. It's important to note, though, that as we need each other, and as we gather together, and, and, and I don't tell you enough how much you're loved. I'm, I'm really bad at this. My wife will tell you I'm bad at this. You know, she says, I love you. I say, thanks. <laughs> I'm just really bad at this. And then they go, oh, wait, I love you too. Just really bad at this. And so I, I can see why you, you wonder sometimes. If, if it's really worth being together, let me tell you something. It is so important that we're together. It's so important that we gather together. It's so important that if you can't be here, you're still here with us. But it's so important that if you can be here, you understand something will happen in this room that can't happen in any other place. There's a connection. There's an effect for the future that you cannot possibly know until you see it develop over the years. I'm going to say a little bit more about that. First of all, let me say this. Just as I look at you, some of you may wonder, you know, are we really making a difference? And, and, and do we respond? Last week, you know, we, we, we've, been, we've been talking about our offering and, and how we were behind and, and you've been responding. And last week on Easter, kind of everybody ties... You gave $450,000 in an offering. That was incredible. One big offering, the rest was all you. And, and, and one big gift and the rest was all you. Keep it coming because we, we're almost caught up. But, but the point is this. We are together. We do act together when called upon. We just don't realize how impactful that togetherness is unless we're reminded from time to time. But Jesus didn't end with coming into the togetherness. He said almost immediately, and this is in John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22, it says, So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with me, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Now stop right there. Tell you something about togetherness. It is absolutely crucial. It's absolutely crucial for our sustenance, for our encouragement. But if you just concentrate on being together, soon there's a toxicity that takes over. 
you begin to find fault with one another. You begin to, you begin to um, start thinking of your own perspective or your group's own perspective. And everybody else out there becomes a stranger and an enemy even. And Jesus knew that. And so he said, wait a minute. Glad we're together, but as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Because in your going will be, watch this, not only your closeness to God, but your identity as to why you're here in the first place. I, I, some of you know the name James Garfield, if you know your history. James Garfield was elected president of the United States in 1880. Not many of you know that he was an on-fire Christian. He was a lay, he was a lay minister um, and, and, uh, and loved Jesus. Six months into his administration, he was shot in the back. He never lost consciousness. The doctor on site tried to find the bullet by probing with his little finger. And he couldn't find the bullet. And so he got out a metal probe and he was searching for the bullet and he couldn't find the bullet. Finally, after a while, they stopped. They patched him up. They shipped him back to Washington, D.C. During the coming months, medical team after medical team went in and probed for that bullet, trying to find the bullet. They even called in Alexander Graham Bell kind of the, 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 the technical expert of the day. And he probed, and he couldn't find the bullet. Finally, in September, almost three months later, he died. But he didn't die of the bullet. He died of the infection that came with the constant probing. Could I just say this to you? If all you do is keep probing what's wrong in your life, if all you do is belong to a group that just keeps going over and over what's wrong with the world, and, 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 and there's a toxicity there, and Jesus knew it. And he said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Because it's important not only for your health, but for the accomplishment of the mission that I have brought you here in order that you go out and you share what you've received from me. And that is the forgiveness of the Father, the forgiveness of all sins. And the Bible says in John chapter 20, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now stop right there. This is really important. When we're sent out, we can't go with our own resources, with our own mentality, with our own, only with our own powers. We will fail. We have to have the Holy Spirit working through us not only to reveal who God is to other people, come, the song, as the song says, come go with me, it's more fun to share. <laughs> not only 
to, to reveal himself to other people, but to reveal the love of God through how we behave. You realize the Holy Spirit is not only the one that enlightens, he's the one who performs through us. Remember where it says in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus first mentions the church. And, and he says, you know, at first he does a survey, who is God by popular opinion? Lots of people form their image of God by popular opinion. Really bad idea. Really, really bad idea. Not only do you just have man's opinion, but you've got a conglomeration of man's additional false opinions. So Jesus says, well, who do, say, who do men say that I am? And so they did a general survey. And then he said, who do you say that I am? And when he was talking about saying that, he said to the whole group, who do y'all, all y'all say I am? And Peter's always the first one to talk. Simon Peter's always the first one to talk. So Simon Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Blessed are you, Simon was, was Peter's other name. Son of Jonah, Bar means son, son of Jonah. For such has been revealed to you, not by the flesh, but by the spirit of God. You understand, you can't understand God without the spirit. You just, you, you just can't. And so he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Back in the day, Jesus said, you are Peter. This is, in, this is Matthew 16, 18 and 19. It says, you are Peter and upon this rock, upon this confession, in other words, upon what you've just said, everyone who calls me their Lord, everybody who recognizes I am the Christ, I am the Savior, upon this confession, I'll build my church. By the way, don't worry about building the church. You can't build the church. Christ builds the church. All right? So the pressure's off. Pressure's off. I will build my church, and the gates of hell, gates of Hades, will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Watch this. The kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be, have been bound in heaven. Look at, the, look at the verb tense here. Have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Now let's go back to our text for the day. In John chapter 20, after he breathes the Holy Spirit, he gives them the exact same commandment. This is, uh, this is John 20, 23. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. Now, what does that say? This could confuse a first-time reader. Because it looks like he's giving you the power to forgive sins. No, 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 no. Look at the verb tense. They have been forgiven. They have been retained. They have been bound. They have been loosed. In other words, it's only God that can forgive, but we are the messengers. So we go out and we tell people the forgiveness and love that is available to them. Watch this. And if the Spirit is in us, we show them that love. I, 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 I heard a story a long time ago about this young man who wanted to become a pastor someday. And he was taking this class in, in evangelism. And this is, this is a, a hundred years ago. And so he took a class from, from this tutor and, 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 the, and the tutor sent him out. And boy, he just went out looking for anybody he could just share the good news of Christ with. You know, the grace of God. 
And he saw this old guy just laboring under this, this sack of wood. And, and, and he went up to him and said, let me tell you about God for a second. Can I tell you about God? Well, the old man was glad for the break. And so he sat down in his sack. And the young guy just springs into his, you know, his presentation of the gospel. He said, God loves you. You know, God wants to intervene in your life and care for you and help you. The old man listened politely. He didn't want to discourage the boy. But he wanted to be honest with him. And he looked at the boy and he said, I got to tell you, I'm an old man. And every day I go out and I have to cut wood and it becomes harder and harder to do. And I got to haul that wood back to sell. And that journey becomes harder and harder to make. It's really difficult for me to believe there's a God who loves me or even cares about me. Well, the boy just got discouraged and went back to his mentor. He said, I presented the good news. He said, but the old guy just wouldn't believe me. He said, well, tell me about it. He said, well, you know, so he told him the whole story. And the mentor just shook his head. And the boy said, what? He said, you understand that he wasn't looking for religion. He was looking for help. If you would have carried that old man's burden for him, he would not only have heard about a God who cares, he would have seen a God who cares. You understand the difference here? Yeah. When it's the spirit, people, people aren't looking for more religion. Ah, sorry. People really aren't interested in your opinions about God. Sorry. But if they see it demonstrated in power, if they see it demonstrated in service, see, he didn't just send us to say, he sent us to serve. Because that's what Jesus did. He served. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And so that's what we have to do. Now watch. And there is a world so ready to hear what you understand. So ready to hear that they don't have to just just wallow in this cycle of sin and forgiveness of man I wish I had made that mistake and, and how can I ever make up for that and regret and all they're so ready to hear that I, 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 I heard a story long time ago about this father in Spain he had this one son Paco and, and, and they had this huge fight Paco was a teenager had this huge fight and Paco just ran away Went away from home, and, and the father just immediately regretted it, searched for him diligently. Days passed, weeks passed. He couldn't find him. He was in absolute panic. Finally, he went to the newspaper office in Madrid, Spain, and he put in a personal ad. And this is what that ad said, said Dear Paco, I love you. I just want to be together with you again. All is forgiven. If you will come back to me, meet me in front of the newspaper office tomorrow at noon. 
that father showed up at that newspaper office and there were 80 kids named Paco there. There's a whole lot of people who want the love and forgiveness of their father. You have that message. They're desperate for what you have. They're desperate to hear what you can share with them that they can have. It's important to understand because people are weary of life that beats them up and they're even more weary of beating themselves up. Years ago, Corey Ten Boom, some of you know that name. She was a prisoner in a concentration camp in World War II. The Nazis killed most of her family. She became a Christian. It was awful difficult for her to forgive them, but she knew she had to. After the war was over, she went back home to Holland, and she wrote in her book, A Tramp for the Lord, this compelling call to go back to Germany to preach the forgiveness of Christ. But she did. She did exactly that. And she said in this book, you know, because I'm from Holland and the sea is always before us. She said, I went back and I preached and I said, God wants to forgive your sins. He wants to cast them into the deepest part of the sea. And then he wants to put up a sign that says no fishing allowed. Quit fishing for your old sins. They're gone. It's Easter. The cross cast them away. The resurrected life goes forward, not backward. We got to go there together. Now, that's the last point of this message. We began with the gathered church. And that's where everything begins. Gathering is so important. You have to gather to be sent. And then you have to regather to be sent again. That's just the cycle. But you've got to realize that just as God made you, I've told you for months now and I'll keep telling you, each one of you was created in your mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made, truly unique, You're not a mistake. God wired you just like he wanted you. And you have a mission in this world that cannot be completed by anybody else. If it could, you wouldn't be here. And if you were done, you wouldn't be here. It behooves us to find out what that mission is. But let me tell you the wonderful trick God has played on us. You can't do that alone. You can only do it in the group, watch this, that you're called, watch this, to go with into the world, watch this, and that group also has a unique 
vision also has a unique calling. The church is just gathered people who look to Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior together and to serve God together. That's what the church is, no matter what size. And and there's lots of churches, all of them with different challenges. All of them are different. In Galatians chapter 2, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. It says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches of Galatia. You have to know that when Paul wrote to Galatia, to Colossae, to Thessalonica, to, to Rome, to Corinth, He was writing to networks of churches. A church is simply people you physically meet with. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Doesn't matter how big it is. And so there's lots of churches. But you notice in the New Testament, he wrote something different to every one of these networks of churches. You know why? Because every one of them had their own personality and their own unique problems. You know, just as everybody has a unique personality, you have your own personality. Do you know our church also has its own personality? If you're a teacher, you know this. Every class has its own personality. You know that. Did you know every church has its own calling, its own unique calling that can't be replaced by any other church? That's why he called us together. That's why... You're here because he not only wants you to find out your calling, he wants you to walk in this calling. That's why in the church, churches have representative angels. You know, it's not just little kids. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, it says, you better take care of the little kids among you because their angels are before the face of God night and day. That's where we get the concept guardian angels. Kids have guardian angels. Did you know churches did too? You know that? Look at, look at Revelation. Just, just look at the second chapter of Revelation. I'll, I'll rehearse some of this. You've heard this language before. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right. To the angel of the church of, in Smyrna, right. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, right? And on and on and on and on. You know Northland has an angel? Do you know know entire nations have representative angels? Or representative, uh, um, spiritual representative in in the heavens? Read the 10th chapter of Daniel. And you'll see in the wrestling of Daniel how the message was given to him that the prince, sometimes they're called prince, as in prince of the power of the air. The prince of Persia is addressed. The prince of Greece is addressed. And Michael, the archangel representing Daniel, is in that mix. Nations have angels, but churches have angels. That's where I want to go, and and, and I'll conclude here. This is what's important for all of us to understand going forward. 
If you walk with us in the coming months and years, you will discover why you were made like you are and what your mission is in this world. But you will discover it in the context of those gathered together with you. Because you, are not, you don't have a mission just isolated as an individual. You have a, a mission as a part of the body of Christ. Just as you, you have a gift as a part of the body of Christ. And that's why it's so important for, under, for us to understand why we need to stick together. Why we need to continue to assemble so that we can hear over a period of weeks and months and some years yet to come. Why God called us, what he expects from us in the world that no other church can do. And three things will happen, three benefits you will have. Number one, it is the, 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 the mission and the, and the desire of the elders and the leadership of this church to make sure you have the Christian friends in your life that you need to sustain you in your ministry and to help you grow in Jesus Christ. Everyone needs Christian relationships in order to be sustained in their calling. Number two, you will not only understand your personal mission, you will understand our corporate mission and why God has gathered us and what we are to contribute to the larger general church that no other church can contribute. And number three, you will hear invitations from God that sound general, but you know are personal. When the Holy Spirit acts, let me tell you what he does. Somebody's just talking and the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, That's, I'm talking to you. All of a sudden that person's not talking, God's talking. And he's talking while that person is moving their mouth to you. And you know it. People are afraid, what if I volunteer for something and I, I feel like I should, but, but I'm in the wrong spot. You know, let me give you some assurance. You are pre-chosen for certain roles in this world and you will know it when you hear them. I used to do tons of, of marriages. I, I, I love to do weddings. I just love to. I can't do it anymore, but I, I used to sometimes two or three a, a weekend. I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of weddings. I have never done a wedding once where it came to the part where I say, who giveth this woman to be married to this man that somebody in the middle of the congregation stood up and go, I'll do it. Everybody knows that question's not for them. It's been pre-assigned. The same thing is true. Who will go for us? Who shall I send? Here I am. Send me. God has invitations for every one of us and for all of us together. And God will call you as we go along together. 